Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and we are continuing with our September mailbag, Gavin. What are we getting into today? Oh, a whole lot of good stuff, Alex. First, we start off the discussion with what is the going rate for star players today, and how does it impact the New York Knicks? Then we talk about potential expansion to Las Vegas, and we culminate our episode by each picking a new co-host controversy about to start on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief and excite the Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are getting into more mailbag questions today. Uh, I'll throw out the reminder again, if, if you're listening to this and you didn't ask us a mailbag question and you want to ask us one, feel free to ask one in the YouTube comments. Uh, you could go find the tweet or just send us a tweet uh, at LockedOnNicks. Or we have had some questions come in via email. You can always hit us up, LockedOnNicks at gmail.com if you want to send us an email and get a question in that way. Whatever you want to do, we'll continue taking questions the whole rest of the month because the heck else are we going to talk about at this point in the offseason, post-Donovan Mitchell trade and all that. So uh, I'll get to our first question, though. And actually, the first person asked us our first two questions today. So first one comes from buy low, sell high at swing underscore trade 55. Uh, they want to know, hi, Gavin and Alex. Hello, swing trade 55, buy low, sell high. General NBA question for you. I think most of us thought mini and Utah's trades were an anomaly, uh, but didn't think this, or the mini and Utah trade was an anomaly, but didn't this Cleveland and Utah trade just validate the going rate for just a star? It's now four or five number one picks plus matching salary. Scary thought. Um Gavin, I don't know for sure that that it fully validated that. I mean, I will say first off, like the the Cleveland and Utah for Mitchell was ultimately three unprotected firsts and two swaps, which unless things go terribly wrong for the Cavs, probably won't convey. I would imagine that Utah is going to be bad enough for long enough that their own picks are going to be worse than Utah or than Cleveland's, who now have Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, and Allen all locked up for the foreseeable future, and they're all young, either in their prime or about to enter their prime or about to enter their second year with loads of potential in front of them. Like, I think the Cavs are going to be a force for a while. Uh, so, I, you know, I really look at that more as just three unprotected first-round picks. Uh, the Minnesota and Utah trade, kind of the same deal, right? Wasn't that the ultimately the, the haul there, too, or did they give up four unprotected ones and like one swap. I forget what the 
the split was there. But I, I think swaps, you know, should be looked at as what they are. It's almost like a protected first round pick. Like you're only really benefiting the team that has that swap if you are unnaturally bad compared to what you're supposed to be. So I, I don't know if I fully agree with the assessment uh, from buy low, sell high that the that the picks that the market has been set at four or five first round picks considering the amount of swaps that were used in those deals. Yeah, I think, I think that's a fair, I mean, look, you can't trade more than four of your own first round picks in a trade anyways, unless I'm, I'm completely misremembering that rule. Uh, so that, that is by definition the max. Um, and if you're the, if you're a team like the Knicks and you have other teams first round picks, then you can start throwing in more. Um, there have been situations in the past where those swaps have turned out to be extraordinarily valuable. Uh, most famously in the Paul Pierce KG trade to the Nets, as uh, I think it was a swap that got well one of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. The other one was just one of the picks going off in that trade. But a- Alex, I don't know. I was interested in this question more in like a, a big picture sense in terms of, um, I guess, is this, do, do we think that this is the, going to be the star kid going forward? Because I I mean, to me, like th- these were really trendsetters, like this sort of just has been the trend the last couple of years. You can go back and look the Harden trade, I think, was four firsts and three swaps, plus two really good young players in Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. The Anthony Davis trade was three firsts, one swap, uh, two different fairly recent number two picks in not, not second round picks, number two picks in the whole draft in Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and a really good young role player in Josh Hart. And then, yeah, you have the Mitchell trade and the Gobert trade. I mean, you, you can even flash to the the most recent Harden trade where he his value is really depleted. And in, in that case, it was just Ben Simmons and, and a couple of guys thrown in. But for players that are deemed at the time all-NBA-level talents, like I, I don't see this changing. I, I don't think there's, there's a world where this is any different, but I don't think I see anything wrong with that. It's sort of... A, a or at least it generally has been a, a win-win for teams making those types of deals. Like, I mean, you look at like the Lakers Pelicans trade, I think is kind of the ultimate example of that the Lakers won a championship and with better management, like a, a GM that would have picked DeMar DeRozan over Russell Westbrook, like probably is still a contender as of right now. And you look in new Orleans and we, we just did a whole series of episodes on it. They have one of the brightest futures in the entire NBA. And then you can you can even look at Brooklyn and Houston and say, obviously, it didn't work out in Brooklyn. But as we, we noted, when Doug Norrie came on the podcast, the Nets had a excellent chance to go and win an NBA championship. And barring injuries, I think we can all say they would have won the championship. They almost beat the team that did win the title with two of those guys out. Um, and the Rockets look like they have one of the brighter futures in the NBA. And they have a million picks to deal with. They have a couple young stars. So I haven't seen enough negative repercussions on either side of these types of deals that I think anything is going to shift in the near future. The big question that I have going forward is, do you see a world, especially when that extra TV money comes flooding and everyone is focused on that big summer of 2025 where we get Jason Tatum, uh, Jamal Murray, I believe, and, and, and a couple of other studs as free agents. Do you think there's a world where free agency comes back or, or do you think this is what happens where guys sign extensions for the max amount of money and then demand out for the foreseeable future. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're just going to have to see how things progress. Like I do think uh, I was going to say too, I I think there's something to be said for like the Mitchell trade, I think actually sort of reset the market in a weird way. Like I think with the way that people were talking when the deal was first getting discussed with the Knicks, it was like, it was like, you know, 
oh, the the Knicks are going to have to give up seven cumulative first round picks, including you know some protected ones, just to get this deal done. Because look at what Gobert just got. I did look it up. It was four firsts unprotected in one swap. Like look at what they just gave up. You know it, that means that Mitchell is going to be worth so much more because he's a shot creator, or whatever. Like I would, I think revisiting what I was just saying a second ago. Like I think the Gobert trade set the market higher, and the Mitchell trade just kind of brought it back to where it's been. Because Mitchell's not as good as those guys you mentioned, as you know, Paul George, Anthony, da- Anthony Davis, James Harden, etc. And he didn't get as big of a package as those guys got. Like he fetched a package that's about in line with a star of his caliber, like about what the Knicks paid for Melo. Honestly, you know what I mean. And you could say the Melo is probably a similar type player guy from the, you know, the the uh, the Rockies, uh, you know, out there, and and you know that hadn't really accomplished much in the playoffs at that point. There was a supremely talented scorer that maybe had some question marks about if he could be the number one guy on a team that had like actual title aspirations. Like there you go. I mean, that's basically what they cost. So um, to, to answer your other question though, as far as the, if free agency is going to make a comeback, I don't know if free agency has ever fully gone away. Like we keep talking about it and it's almost like all the talk of like, Oh, the big man is dead. You know, it's like, that's just like the hot button thing. I do think that more guys are starting to take advantage of the system as far as, um, you know, as far as taking the extension, demanding out later, getting themselves more money that way. But I think what's ultimately happening is, I mean, we sort of just saw it with Leon Rose, like saying no to this Mitchell trade is that at a certain point, teams are going to just start saying no. And then these teams that have these, guys that got signed like there might be a star or two that just gets forced to play out his contract with the team that he signed his contract with because they can't find someone willing to pay the price that has been set by the market that might serve as a cautionary tale uh i don't know if that's going to end up happening at some point or when that might end up happening but that would be the thing that would all of a sudden reset guys brains a bit and be like all right well if i actually want to control my own destiny i guess i can't sign a five-year contract that I don't technically have any power to get out of (laughs) or, you know, pick a destination or whatever. And, you know, that they'll start saying, all right, well, I'll start leaving money on the table again, especially with the obscene amount of money, as you alluded to, that's going to be available once that new TV deal comes through. Uh, I I think it should be okay for these guys. Um, You know, and they'll, they'll ultimately say like, fine, I can't have a $400 million contract on an extension. I guess I'll just take a $300 million contract, you know, signed in free agency, um, which is not a small amount of money to leave on the table, but maybe worth it to them to pick their their preferred destination. Or the opposite might happen. And because it's such an absorbent sum of money now, like because 15% or 20% or whatever per year becomes that much, more maybe we'll even see players lean further into the the contract extension thing if if the league doesn't in their next cba scale back the the amount that like homegrown talent is allowed to be paid on their original team or whatever which is what we've seen now where teams get this ability to give a guy instead of like 35 million a year as high as like 50 million a year now uh on an extension versus just a free agent contract so that app will only grow bigger and so the, I guess there's two schools of thought. Either the, the money will get so huge that players will say, fine, what's $100 million less when I'm already making $300 million? Or the money will be so huge that players will be like, no freaking way am I leaving $100 million on the table because that's so much money. Uh, I'm taking my full value and I'll keep asking out, even if it costs teams 
way more assets to get me down the line to get me traded out. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to get into how like the history of free agency influencing titles, because I know this is kind of a tangent off the initial question, but it's interesting to me because if you actually go through NBA history, there isn't really an insane track record of it. Um, but before we do that, I got to remind everyone about betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your pro and college betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Alex, I'll throw this to you. Should people should people still be throwing money behind your Mets uh, to to win the NL East? Yes, I am holding on hope, uh, I, or holding out hope. I, I'm really hoping that they can pull it out. Uh, a little less confident than I was uh, maybe a month ago, but I think they can still do it. The Braves got to cool off sometime. The Mets are still playing good. They've been consistent. Braves just got to hit a brick wall at some point. That's all that's got to happen. The trumpets are, are not playing quite as loud, but head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. And we are, but first, want to remind you of one more cool thing. Steph Curry, Kevin Grant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, which NBA player moves to betting line the most this season? Locked on and the bet online odds makers present the NBA top 50 most valuable players starting on September 19th. You can find it on Locked on NBA, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And with that, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Now, I just want to, before we get into uh, the second question from our guy, buy low, sell high, I just wanted to wrap up this conversation with, with a look historically at, at the impact free agency has made. Because I, I, th- I always think it gets a little overblown throughout NBA history. And there's really only like a handful. And by a handful, I mean, you can count them on one hand. Uh, free agency moves in NBA history that have made a difference in terms of winning a title. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, I would say the big move that elevated that team was trading for Andrew Wiggins. The Milwaukee Bucks, what pushed them over the top was trading Drew Holiday. Flashback to 2020, the Los Angeles Lakers, their big move was trading for Anthony Davis. 2019 champions, Toronto Raptors, their big move, trading for Kawhi Leonard. 17-18, the Cleveland Cavaliers, it was signing Kevin Durant. Um, the Cleveland, or sorry, the Golden State Warriors, it was signing Kevin Durant. The Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016, it was signing LeBron James. Uh, the Warriors in 2015, it was all homegrown talent. The Spurs, it was all homegrown talent. Uh, and then you cut back to the Heat as really the the one other team in the 2010s who was primarily driven by free agent signings. Of course, that was the the big three of Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade. That's probably the first time anyone's ever said Chris Bosh is the first of those three names. Um, I can go on and on and on. You can cut back to like the Lakers in the early 2000s. That was Shaq signing as a free agent. But all that is to say, Alex, I feel like trades and homegrown talent shape champions a little bit more than free agency does. So while it's certainly a new-ish trend in the NBA that well, it's definitely a new trend that guys are taking these extensions and forcing their way out really early. I don't think it's this revolutionary thing that the players capable of shaping championships uh, rarely move teams through free agency. Yeah, I think ultimately it could just be summed up as in the NBA, 
good asset management wins you championships. That's it. You just got to strike when the iron's hot, whether that's the right trade or the right signing uh, to push you over the edge. Because, you know, there's been other, you know, you could argue like the getting like Andrea Godala. Was that like the move that first pushed the Warriors over the edge to win the championship? Like, you know, Kevin Durant obviously was what spurred those other championships. They were obviously capable of winning it prior to getting him. You know, that was a free agent move. Like, yeah, I'm with you, though. I, I do think usually it ends up being that big trade because you build up the core through the draft and free agency. And then the trade is kind of like where you're taking all these pieces saying, all right, which ones fit and which ones don't. And the ones, you know, some of the ones that don't, we're going to find a way to trade into a piece that does fit to ultimately complete this team and make it ready to go and go run on a, a championship run. Of course, you also just have to end up with a generational player in this day and age too, by and large. Like you got to have most of the title teams have been like Steph Curry or LeBron James in the last 15 years, you know, I mean, so really, like, really the last, the last 60 years. It's like, it's always, yeah. I mean, yeah, a couple, a couple of exceptions here and there, but it's star driven magic, league. magic bird, Jordan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, Shaq, uh, Kobe, you know, I mean, you got to have, you got to have a generational player at some point too. So hopefully the Knicks can secure one of them, but I want to get to the other part of buy low, sell highs questions here. Uh, and the second question is how will teams like the Knicks be able to compete with Vegas for free agents? This is of course coming on the heels of like, there's, there's a report that the NBA is considering expansion soon. Um, which if I recall, it's most likely going to be Seattle getting a team back and then Vegas getting a team as well, which I think would be great honestly, uh, which we could probably do a whole other pod on that if it ever goes through. But like, I think it'd be great to move a couple of Western conference teams to the Eastern conference, like new Orleans and Memphis that are basically on the East. Um, but, uh, anyway, so if a team comes up in Vegas, how would the Knicks be able to compete with Vegas for free agents? Seems impossible in the short time. Vegas should that, it seems impossible that in a short time, Vegas should be an NBA dynasty. Young, wealthy stars and superstar players will want to be there. Celebs, women, nightlife. Many would take less to be there, question mark. All the more reason why the Knicks need to go the route Golden State did to draft well, develop, and build so the free agents will come, in my opinion. Um, I would push back on this a little bit. I don't think Vegas is going to be some gigantic free agent draw. Like, Vegas is a vacation town. Guys can go there during the offseason, like... I would say, if anything, players love to talk about how they lock in during the season. So, you know, I don't think players would be frequenting the strip uh, during the NBA season unless you're unless we get like a, a Dennis Rodman redux, you know, but uh, J- like James, James Harden might be he might be. James Harden, maybe Harden might be drawn there. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I feel like most players, they try to like lock in during the season and get away from those distractions, not immerse themselves in it. So if players ultimately sign with Vegas in the future. If there is a team there, they probably wouldn't be living like in a penthouse in the Bellagio. Anyway, (laughs) they'd probably be living somewhere on the outskirts of town with a gym close by to go practice at. And uh, hopefully a nice practice facility just outside the city limits too, that they would work out at. I don't know. I mean, I don't really think that they're going to be some huge draw. We mentioned this, you and I were talking about this question briefly before the show. And you mentioned too, like, it's not like the Las Vegas Raiders are suddenly like getting every free agent now or something. I mean, they did trade for Devontae Adams, but that was a trade. Um, so is what it is there. I guess, you know, you still got to give something up to get something. And it's not like they've gotten a ton of free agents since they moved there a couple years ago. Also, the Vegas Golden Knights in hockey 
they, if I remember right, made it to the Stanley Cup their very first season. It was like one of their first two. And when they made it, though, it was just because they knocked it out of the park with the expansion draft and the actual draft and just put together a really good team. It wasn't because they like signed a ton of free agents or something. So I don't really look at Vegas as like a sure. For, I, I don't think they're going to take away any free agents from New York, Chicago, Miami, or Los Angeles. Like I think those are still the marquee cities that most players are going to flock to. And I don't think Vegas like throws a huge monkey wrench into that plan. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm not in the NBA and, and apologies to all of our Vegas Knicks fans, but I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. Vegas kind of sucks. Like you, you do it once <laughs> it's exciting. It's fun. I get it. I get it. maybe, maybe some people would say the same thing about New York. I mean, it's I, definitely I, a playground. I, if you have millions upon millions of dollars, it's a playground. Like it is, I can imagine as an NBA player to go there for like a week and go crazy. It's yeah, a lot of fun. It's not, it's not sustainable but, is my point. No, like it, exactly. You're going to burn out very, very quickly being there. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm out on Vegas. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, I don't, I don't really see that either. I would, Personally, Seattle would be would be more appealing for me, but I don't think either one of those teams and would threaten I, the Knicks. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Alex. I, I think with Seattle, too, the other thing is, like, if you're doing Vegas, whatever, it's just some new expansion team. But, like, I can see Seattle being more of a draw, too. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle gets a team in, like, two years. If Kevin Durant, like, gets through his contract with the Nets and is like, I'm signing a retirement deal with the Sonics as a way to, like, say sorry that we got moved after my one year there to Oklahoma City. You know, like, I, I feel like there would be more of a appeal there in the fact that, like, Seattle already has NBA history and would be getting a new team. It would be like a redemption arc. You could be like, I'm the guy that, like, brought the Seattle Supersonics back, like, whatever. I feel like they would have more draw than than Vegas would, honestly, because anybody can go vacation in Vegas. But, like, you know, it's I don't think it's a great place to live year-round, honestly. And again, apologies to anyone that does live there. I'm sure it's fine enough. I just don't think it would be like massively appealing. Yeah. And and Seattle also does have just produces so much talent. Like you'd get guys like DeJounte Murray and Paolo Bancaro. I mean, potentially there, there'd be an interesting going home narrative there. All right, let's take a one final break. Come back for one final uh, tantalizing question. If we could each <laughs> pick a new co-host, who would we pick and why? That next on Locked On Next. All right, Alex, it's time. The question everyone was waiting for comes from Nick's Will Rise at Nick's Will Rise. And he or she wants to know, at the risk of starting a civil war, if you each had to pick a replacement for your Locked On Nick's co-host and you could choose from any national, local, or freelance content creator, whom would you choose and why? Uh, I mean, if I if I get a pick of anyone, Alex, I think I'd have to go national. Um I, I've made no bones about it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Zach Lowe. I, I think he's, he's just the best at this. So that would be really cool. But honestly, even though I would probably get infuriated with him and I think a lot of his takes were stupid, it would be fun to do this with Stephen A. Smith every day. Not, not, I mean, there's, there's certainly a financial component that's very appealing. Um, no offense to either of us. He's a little bit more of a Q rating. So I think it's, it's possible to get more subscribers, but <laughs> I, I think it would, I think we, we tend to agree on a lot of stuff. So I kind of like the idea of having someone who I'm pretty sure I would have like 80% of the time opposite opinions as. Yeah. I, well, and I think you and I used to be more in that space. And over time, we've gotten too copacetic. Yeah. A little, little group mind going on. <laughs> yeah. We definitely used to, uh, we used to disagree more, I think. And that did make for good podcasting. We still do sometimes, but it's, it's so amicable. It's like we both just come to the end and we're like, 
Well, I see your side of the, the you made, coin. You, made, too. you raised some good points. <laughs> you made a great point. You know what? Look, as you long almost... as we both hate Vegas, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we can both agree Vegas sucks. No, I'm so sorry to anyone that lives in Vegas. Um, yeah, I mean, if I was looking at it from a from a perspective of pure like entertainment value slash like being able to make the show way bigger and thus make it so maybe it could become my only job or something. Yeah, someone like Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless or Shannon Sharp would be pretty fun. I think Shannon Sharp is pretty hilarious. Um, he would he would be pretty funny. I mean, Stephen A. though comes with the the guise of being a Knicks fan. Um, even if I I don't know if I fully believe that. I think he's a Knicks fan as far as it lets him yell about the Knicks on TV because it seems like he doesn't pay attention to anything the way that he speaks about things. But again, that would make for good good podcasting. To have him spouting off his stupid opinions all day and being able to just like squash them and then listen to him scream for a minute, um, yeah, I, I think though if I was just gonna pick from like a a personal comfort level of like someone I would feel like getting on with every day and talking with, it would be like, uh, if not you, because I think that we've developed a great rapport over the years and and I consider you a friend now and we have a great time on the show. I would go with someone else that we talk to fairly often, you know, someone that I talk to fairly often, like maybe Schwinn, if I could convince him to not curse all the time, because we're not allowed to do that anymore on here. Uh, that would, might be a tall order though. So if, if he wasn't down for that, um, I mean, again, it would be like, we're talking like I can pull somebody away from anything that they're doing. Otherwise, like I love talking with Macri. So I'd love to have Macri on here. I'd be like, Macri, just shut down your podcast. Come yeah, that would really, yeah, you tank all the competition. Like, I feel like there, yeah. there, there would be like antitrust investigations if you yeah. brought Macri in. Did, did, did Alex use his dream draft pick to take down uh, Nick's <laughs> film school and and fold them into Locked on Nick's? Yeah, corner 80, um, 80% of the Nick's podcast market. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. but like Macri, I'd love, uh, you know, um, my, uh, my co-hosts from, uh, uh, Nick's mail dot bag on on the Strickland pods, uh, either Zach Delizio or Matt Weiss. I like both of them. I don't know if Matt would want to commit to doing that many days. I don't know if Zach would want to commit to doing that many days either. It would have to be someone who would be okay with doing the schedule that we do too, which is a tall order. Yeah. So maybe Stephen A is getting more points that way because he does a lot of content. So, <laughs> but I don't know if we could quite afford his eight million dollar price tag or whatever it is he makes. So. Look, that's, um, that's on David Locke. It's not on us. That's on Locke. That's not on me. I'll just be like, David, just make sure I get half of whatever he gets. <laughs> and we'll be, I can live on $4 million a year, I guess. <laughs> I'll survive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, other than I, not to leave anybody else out. They're probably like, what's nice about, about this overall Knicks community that's kind of all come up together, at, like CP, the franchise, and Knicks Fan TV too. Like, I would love to do a show with him. Like, there's like at least probably a dozen guys that like if you told me like, okay, you have to do a podcast with this guy five days a week. I'd be like, all right, cool. Like that can yeah, be fun. no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's plenty of guys I would take. Um, I don't really have like a dream choice, honestly, because I like I don't know that I'd want to do it with like one of the beat writers or whatever. I feel like that would be kind of boring. In all honesty, we have them on. We have our little interviews with them, but I don't know how. Uh, maybe the rapport would grow over time. Maybe doing a five day a week podcast with Berman could be entertaining. Um, <laughs> uh, try to think, but like the, national, nationally, there's not too many people I would care to talk about the Knicks with every day because I generally hate the opinions that national people have about the Knicks all the time. Maybe I should go celeb. Oh, honestly, why did I think of this? The answer would probably be Clyde. 
do a podcast yeah. with Clyde five days a week. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I feel like Breen would be cool, but like any of his insults would just it would just be so subtle. Like I'd be like, mm. "You want to you want to say that again, Mike?" He'd be like, "Nope, I said I said what I said." <laughs> um, yeah, he would be great. Yeah. My I'm only worry to- with Clyde too is that sorry, and then I'll let you throw your other one in. My only worry with Clyde is that like if we would ever get him on the pod, it would be so special and so awesome, and like a like don't wash your hands moment, you know, like like yeah. oh my god, I can't like I'm never washing my microphone again, like Clyde graced me with his presence when i was talking on this microphone or whatever yeah. uh, but like you, you you wash your microphone <laughs> all the time yeah no. you're but not you, brother <laughs> you think that you think that spit guard thing you know yeah. isn't catching spit <laughs> um no but like i wonder if over time and i mean it doesn't seem like it has for breen but i wonder if over time it would like it would lose its luster in the sense of like when you're doing it with him every single day like yeah. i wouldn't want to ever take for granted getting to like share a screen with Clyde so that would worry me a little bit uh that eventually I'd start taking it for granted so maybe that that would just be like he would be my dream recurring guest to come mm-hmm. on like twice a year or something maybe yeah I was gonna quickly I'm doing an entourage rewatch right now so Jerry Ferrara high on my mm-hmm. list of uh celebrity Knicks fans uh, that would be cool to come on um yeah I mean every, everyone you listed in the community guys like Prez, Benji, Dallas, like there, there's, as we said, we could, we could go on all day. There's, there's a, a million people that we're lucky enough to have on this pod all the time. Um, and it, it's kind of nice that we get to do it that way because uh, you never like take anyone for granted. Like every, every time we have someone on like that, it always ends up being interesting and special and kind of its own thing. But uh, yeah, that's it for this edition of Locked on Knicks. We'll certainly be back at least once, maybe two more times this week. So stay tuned, but until next time, uh, until until Stephen A cashes that check, uh, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.